0: Welcome to the CanMed Coffee Talk podcast, where we talk with the leading minds in cannabis science, medicine, cultivation, and safety testing. I am your host, Ben Amaralt. I'm the marketing manager at Medicinal Genomics and proud member of the team that puts on the CanMed conference. Can you believe we are just about 30 days away from CanMed 23. We are really excited about this event and we have a lot of great things planned, so if you haven't gotten your ticket yet, do so now. We have limited capacity at the venue this year and you don't want to miss out. CamMed 23 will take place over three days starting Monday, May 15th, when we'll be holding four immersive professional development workshops, including our full-day medical practicum, a cultivation workshop focused on plant pathogens, a capital markets workshop focused on funding cannabinoid innovation, and a newly designed lab compliance testing workshop that's all about potency inflation. Tuesday the 16th and Wednesday the 17th will feature oral presentations that were curated by the CanMed Advisory Board that cover topics like hop latent viroid, the medicinal value of minor cannabinoids and flavonoids, Delta-8-THC, and much more. We also have two amazing beach dinners planned. On May 15th, the dinner will include a tribute to Professor Rafael Machulum, who sadly passed away last month. The meal will include remarks from Professor Lemire Hannes, Deddy Meary, and Brendan McKernan, the Medicinal Genomics CEO. Attendees will have the opportunity to commemorate Professor Matulam during the special program planned for the evening. Professor Hannes will also be presenting at the May 16th dinner as well on the topic of how cannabis became a medicine. As you can see, we have packed a lot of excellent content into this three-day summit, and I haven't even mentioned the world-class accommodations and amenities that attendees can enjoy at the Marriott Marco Island Beach Resort. All the information is at CanMedEvents.com. Go there today, and I hope to see you in Florida. My guest this episode is Dr. Bonnie Goldstein. Bonnie is one of the country's most respected and experienced medical cannabis physicians, having treated thousands of patients with medical cannabis. She is the owner and medical director of Canna Centers Wellness and Education. She is the clinical advisor to Canformatics, And she is the author of the book titled, Cannabis is Medicine, How Medical Cannabis and CBD Are Healing Everything from Anxiety to Chronic Pain. At CanMed23, Bonnie is leading the medical practicum and also presenting about minor cannabinoids during the main session. During this episode, we dive into one of those cannabinoids, CBG, also known as cannabigerol. We discuss the following... What makes CBG one of Bonnie's favorite new cannabinoids? What makes CBG a bridge cannabinoid between THC and CBD? The difference between CBGA and CBG? How CBG enhances the body's natural endocannabinoid system? How CBG works in combination with other cannabinoids? Conditions for which CBG is a good fit? Potential adverse reactions to CBG? And Bonnie also provides a preview of the CAMED Medical Practicum. Before we get to my conversation with Bonnie, I'd like to thank this episode's sponsor, the Dent Institute. With more than 300,000 patient visits per year, the Dent Neurologic Institute ranks among the largest neuroscience centers in North America. Its 24 subspecialty clinics often treat the most challenging neurologic conditions, including but not limited to migraines, chronic pain, ALS, MS, Parkinson's, dementia, and neuro-oncology. With their mission of advancing neuroscience, they established a cannabis clinic in 2016 to aid in the treatment of those conditions seen throughout the Institute. For more information, check out dentinstitute.com. Okay. And without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Bonnie Goldstein. Good morning, Bonnie. Thanks for joining us on the podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me again.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm very excited to talk to you. And have you back on the podcast for the third time, which makes you the leader in CanMed Coffee Talk podcast appearances. So congratulations.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: And I think you may also hold the title for CanMed appearances too, but I'll, I'll have to research and get get back to you on that. But in any case, you're presenting yet again at CanMed 23 about minor cannabinoids. So I wanted to discuss just one of those compounds with you that you're going to be covering on the talk. And so we chose cannabigerol, or CBG. And I watched a YouTube video you made about CBG in preparation for the talk. And at the time when you recorded it, you said it was one of your favorite cannabinoids. So my first question is, why is CBG one of your favorites?
1: Well, it appears to do a lot of things that THC does, and a lot of things that CBD does but maybe a little bit better. Kind of the bridge between the two. It is um, not um, intoxicating or or impairing. It is. It appears that lower doses can be taken for when compared to CBD. It does appear to address some of the main issues that people turn to cannabis for, which is anti-inflammatory, pain relief, anti-anxiety, um, even some sleep benefits have been, uh, reported, antidepressant, um, also, um, anti-cancer. So like it checks all the boxes, um, and maybe lower doses and that non-impairing part will make it more acceptable to people who either don't like that or don't want to have the impairing part, but also don't have the ability to pay for very high doses of CBD.
0: Mm. No, and that's interesting. You, you say it's a bridge between THC and CBD because it is a precursor for those molecules, correct?
1: Well, that's right. So its, it's parent compound, CBGA, is mm. kind of known as the mother to all the cannabinoids um, in that it is the compound that's found in the immature, you know, cannabis flower that then, uh, based on the genetics and of the plant and the enzymes that it's exposed to, does change to CBDA, which then turns to CBD with heat, and THCA, which then turns to THC with heat. Um, CBGA hasn't really been studied very much. It's, I would say it is highly understudied. And I bet that we will find out that there are some very interesting anti-inflammatory, probably anti-cancer properties. We don't know yet fully, um, but at least CBG is being studied. I mean, I constantly look at the literature and just this year in 2023, there's already a study published from Israel on um, how CBG may be helpful for multiple sclerosis. And then there's another study that looked at CBG on how the mechanism of action um, works for pain and inflammation. So there's a lot of interest in it, which is really exciting.
0: Yeah, that is exciting. And yeah, when I was watching that YouTube video, there were there was a lot of different research that you, that you went through and I'll, I'll put a link in the show description so people can check that out. So, um, with so much promise for a, a lot of different things, w- for what conditions do you think CBG maybe has the most promise? Or are you most interested in?
1: So I think in, uh, again, going back to, you know, what I mentioned previously, I think for people who struggle with, um, inflammation, pain, mood, like uh, sleep, I'm sorry, like uh, anxiety or depression, CBG holds a lot of promise. Um, Ethan Russo did a survey along with some other uh, researchers and they uh, published their results and they found that CBG, and again, this is just a survey of people using CBG. It's one of the first reports out there on uh, what are people finding. And it was highly rated for anxiety, pain, depression, and sleep. And I don't know that it's a direct sleep agent, but when you are having less anxiety and less pain, you likely will fall asleep a little bit easier and maybe sleep better. Um, It was highly rated by people over like 70% of people said it was superior to their conventional medication. That's a pretty high number. Right. And, um, that shows a lot of promise for this. And again, in in the research, they have found, and this goes back a number of years, they found that um, CBG did have anti anxiety properties in mice, antidepressant properties, also anti inflammatory, pain relieving properties. So this is not something that people are making up. There is some evidence to support that in the preclinical research.
0: Excellent. And so that survey that you mentioned is that. CBG being taken by itself or is it in combination with with other cannabinoids?
1: That's a great question. I think in the survey they tried to sort that out and it was people taking plant CBG, you know, that they buy in the kind of hemp market. Because CBG, most CBG products that are on the market do not contain a significant amount of THC. They are coming from hemp plants. And so they are readily available on the hemp market. You know, I've seen it as flower. I've seen it as topical. Um, And that's another point is that for topical, um, it has antibacterial effects. And it also has like anti what we call psoriatic effects. So psoriasis is a well-known condition where people get not only joint pain, but they get skin uh, like this, um, these plaques and scales on their skin. It can mm-hmm. really be very um, difficult uh, condition. And CBG has these; they have, has been found to have these anti-soriatic properties. In that, it decreases the um, buildup of those scales. It acts on the skin cells um, themselves, and it inhibits um, the proliferation of those scaly skin cells, which is really interesting. Um, so, um, it, again, I think this just goes to show the applications of cannabinoids is very widespread, right? And people right. always say, well, how is it possible that these compounds can do so many things? But they have multiple targets in the brain and body, and that's what makes them so amazing is that they're, and remember, the pharmaceutical model is this medicine addresses this specific target. Whereas cannabinoids are what we call promiscuous. They kind of they go to a lot of targets.
0: Yeah, no, and, and that's a good point. And that kind of brings up one of my next questions is, how does CBG differ in its targets than other cannabinoids? Are they working on the same receptors and and you know kind of the same mechanisms of, of action as the other cannabinoids?
1: So there's some overlap with some of the other actions of, let's say, THC and CBD, but then there's also um, some like opposite reactions. So like CBD and CBG have opposite reactions at a specific serotonin receptor, the 5-HT1A, where Mm. CBD binds to it and CBG blocks it. Right. And, um, so again, they both act at that receptor, but differently. They also, um, CBG also, um, Uh, like overlaps with uh, CBD and in terms of binding to what we call PPAR receptors, also at these what we call trip channels um, to help with inflammation and pain. One interesting thing about CBG is it so far is the only cannabinoid that has been found to work at the alpha adrenergic receptor, which is a uh, receptor well-known. There's actually pharmaceuticals that target that receptor. Um, But Um, you know, importance for me is that when you address that receptor, you're addressing pain, inflammation, and uh, even, you know, that's a target for some of the medications for ADHD or for behavior issues. And so um, I have used CBG in some of my patients with autism Hmm. and some families. And again, you have to remember that we're all very similar, but we're different in the way we respond to compounds that we put in our body. I'm sure you know people who can take a particular medication and other people, if they take it, they flip out, right? There's Some people think it's the best thing ever and other people say, uh, I can't take that at all. I took one dose and I'll never take it again. We have such a a wide, uh, such a, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like I guess, um, very varied way that we respond to medication. So again, when I try it in patients, like just this morning, I got an email from a family said, CBG made their child way too hyper. Hmm. And that may be a dosing issue. So we're working on that. But in other families, they're reporting my child's calm has better focus. Even speech is improving in some of the children with autism who are nonverbal. So it's always a compound I consider when I'm treating uh, um you know, ch- uh, children who have either behavior or, uh, other types of difficulties, why not try it? It's safe. We know that it's safe and it's under medical supervision. And we start with very low doses so that we can control what's going on. Um, and of course there's a lot of oversight, you know, the parents are watching, I'm watching, and we're just trying to make sure, of course, do no harm. Um, but so far, um, you know, I'd say about 60% of kids that try CBG seem to have some benefit from it.
0: No, and I'm glad you brought up ADHD because um, I guess full disclosure, my son has been diagnosed with ADHD. And when we first got that, I mean, of course, being in the industry and everything, I, I looked up like, oh, can cannabis help? And most of the things that I found was like, no, not really. It's kind of funny that, you know, cannabis seems to help with everything. Uh, that was sort of one of the few things that I saw. But When I was doing research and I watched the video about CBG and you brought that up, um, I was uh, surprised to see that CBG might be helpful for that.
1: Right, and again, we don't have clinical trials to say, yes, this is a definitive um, benefit for children or detriment. We just don't have the trials yet. And I do think that we are on the cusp of having those trials, which would be very exciting. So again, in my practice, which is in California, um, I'm allowed to work with parents to try different cannabinoids, right? To see what might help. Mm -hmm. And we do it very methodically. Um, You know, in my book, I talk about rule it in or rule it out. So we start low dose, we titrate up, we focus on that one compound to see what are the benefits. And remember too, that Um, sometimes when we're seeing a benefit, it may be because the child's also on CBD and maybe for them that combination is working well. If you add a compound and see enhanced benefits, you don't know if it's that particular compound or the combination of the two, if they're already on something. So, you know, it's a lot of um, trial and error, unfortunately. Uh, It's also, um, again, it takes time to sort it out. It's, you know, I always tell patients when I first or families when I first meet them that we're going to be working together quite some time because there is no, it's not like we just pick something and nope, yep, it works great and see ya. We may get lucky and that happens, but that's not the usual case.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that stood out to me too was this this idea of CBG kind of enhancing the body's endocannabinoid function. I was wondering if you could speak a bit to that.
1: Right. So uh, a number of endocannabinoids, including CBD and CBG, um, block the breakdown of our endocannabinoids. So remember, our endocannabinoids are our inner cannabis-like compounds. Our body releases them on demand in response to a trigger, usually something that is stressing us, whether it be an illness, um, you know, like my famous saying is a bear chasing you in the woods right um, um, just anything that might stress you inflammation illness some a traumatic insult an infection of some sort um, your body cranks out these endocannabinoids in order to help maintain balance of the messages that the cells are sending so it's you have to remember the system the endocannabinoid system is a physiologic regulator and it's just helping you stay in balance. Um, anything that promotes um, the en- enhancement of endocannabinoids in general. Now, sometimes there's there are some detriments, but in general, uh, especially in someone who's ill, that can be helpful. So, by enhancing your own natural endocannabinoid system, by blocking the breakdown of these endocannabinoids, that means they last longer, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of like you know the way that um, some antidepressants work is by blocking. It helps enhance the way how long serotonin is hanging around. Okay. Um, and so uh, these compounds do this. And um, it, it's very hard to measure. It's very hard to know if it's something that happens immediately. I don't think so. I think it's an overtime. What you see is you may notice. And I hear this a lot from adult patients. You know, I don't think I need as much cannabis as I'm feeling pretty good. I'm not having as much anxiety. I'm sleeping better. And that tells me that maybe cannabis kind of augmented their natural endocannabinoid system, what we call upregulated, mm. and they're kind of at a nice sweet spot where they're just a little more balanced. That's the whole concept behind you know, the idea of boosting uh, the endocannabinoid system is to get yourself into better balance.
0: Right, right. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, but another way to sort of spurn your body into creating endocannabinoids, a stressor is um, exercise, correct? Yep. So a little experiment that I've been doing, and I want to get your your opinion on this, is after exercise, supplementing with whether it be CBD, CBG, would that be an effective way to sort of, you know, keep anandamide in the system and get sort of the benefits from uh, from sort of our our natural cannabinoids?
1: Well, theoretically, you could you, you could look at it that way. I don't know that it physiologically that that's exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning like, oh, I took a dose and now I have extra anandamide. i don't I don't think that there's a direct correlation there. But I do think, and uh, you know, I think the literature supports this whole idea of, you know, cannabinoids being anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, neuroprotective. And uh, one dose is not going to do the trick. It's usually a regimen that somebody like a wellness regimen, if you're not Mm -hmm. terribly ill, that includes cannabinoids, of course, in addition to other healthy things that you should be doing to enhance your endocannabinoid system, which like, you know, a healthy diet, good sleep trying to really control your stress, which, you know, is like a cycle, you know, you use cannabis to control stress and stress makes it so that maybe you don't need, if your stress is down, you don't need so much cannabis, but there's a cycle there that uh, can be very beneficial. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, I certainly don't think that it's, um, if I had to choose to give cannabis after exercise or not, I would say, sure, why not? It's, Mm -hmm. it certainly could be helpful in recovery.
0: Excellent. All right. I'll, I'll keep up my regimen then. (laughs) (laughs) So you also mentioned, so that there is some overlap with CBG and other cannabinoids and there, there's certain receptors or certain mechanisms that are, are unique to it. So I was wondering if you could speak to, you know, some examples where CBG sort of enhances the effects of other cannabinoids or, you know, situations where you think the combination is useful.
1: Right. Well, and in looking at the study, so there's a study in 2019 that showed that the combination of CBD and CBG decreased neuroinflammation. This is an animal study, uh, but they were looking at uh, uh, neurodegenerative disorders with dementia, dementia. what we call Lou Gehrig's disease or ALS. And it showed in this preclinical study that CBD and CBG worked together and gave better results for anti-neuroinflammation. Um, and of course, remember, this goes back to the concept of the entourage effect, mm-hmm. which is when the combinations of cannabinoids and terpenes appear to enhance the benefits, enhance the uh, positive, uh, results. Um, and there's another study, I know, I can't remember what year it came out, uh, recently that showed that, um, CBG in addition to, um, THC and, or CBD was anti-cancer in a model of, or in, um, test tube study looking at, uh, certain brain tumor cells. So, in some of my cancer patients, you know who come to me with advanced cancer, very poor prognosis, um, I and I've been doing this now for a number of years, I add in CBG to the mix. Mm-hmm. It, there is, to me, no harm in doing so. It doesn't cause, again, the impairment that uh, anti-cancer doses of THC can sometimes um,
0: Yeah. And so I was going to ask you about that. So you just mentioned one, but, you know, what other scenarios or situations uh, do you encounter where you think, you know, CBG is either the right tool for the job or might be a good kind of companion? Or, you know, if you're already started a regiment and maybe things you're not getting the right results, you're you're thinking, oh, CBG might be helpful here.
1: Right. That's a great question, because I think that if you're trying to treat anxiety, pain, inflammation, and you are not getting great results with either uh, THC or CBD, which, of course, are the most, two most common cannabinoids being used right now, certainly the addition of CBG is worth a try. Remember, too, that when you combine cannabinoids, sometimes you can get away with a lower dose of either or of both and get that enhanced effect from that entourage. Cause there are studies that show that subtherapeutic doses, meaning doses not expected to do anything clinically, right? But when combined will um, uh, work better. And so I have had patients who say, rather than take, let's say 300 milligrams of CBD for my anxiety, Which people might like look at that and say, "Wow, that's a really high dose." But when you look at the studies, those are the doses that are being used in studies to get a a true effect, right? To be able to find a true effect. And remember, too, there's some placebo effect. If I'm taking CBD and it's supposed to decrease, let's say, my pain and anxiety, I may have less pain and anxiety because I'm actively doing something about it. And I don't poo-poo that. I just say, you know, for a lot of people, high, high doses. It just is not financial financially feasible right. so sometimes that combination of two compounds in more subtherapy sub what we consider sub therapeutic doses but in that combination will work better so again the the things that I would recommend CBG for anxiety uh, pain psoriasis um, I use it in my patients with autism I use it in my patients with um, cancer um, and uh Certainly, I think the future, like, so this study that came out this year on multiple sclerosis, is that something now we should be trying in our patients, right? And remember, that's an animal study. Mm -hmm. So we're taking a leap. But again, because it's safe, if somebody's struggling and conventional medicine is not helping them, uh, or it is only helping them to a point, I don't see any reason, especially under medical supervision, not to try. Uh, uh, cannabinoids, and specifically CBG, now that there's some research to support it.
0: Yeah. No, and that that's a good point to make. It seems like CBG is very well tolerated by patients, but are there adverse reactions that you typically run into?
1: So I haven't really seen a lot of adverse reactions, except for a few uh, kind of specific ones related to the population of children that I take care of. So in some kids with autism, it's just too overstimulating. Mm-hmm. It makes behavior go off the charts. And I have seen that numerous times. And so I do warn the families, we're going to get started. It may be a dose thing that lower doses might be overstimulating. And then we try higher doses, which sometimes can be more calming. Um, and But that's specifically related to uh, that uh, population. Uh, I have not heard of too many side effects um, from people, adults taking CBG, except for a few things. So I have had some patients say that it is somewhat alerting, meaning it feels a little up. So you would not want to take that right before bedtime. It would just be, you figure out how you respond to it and then don't use it at night if that's the effect you get. Again, on the other hand, some people say it helps with sleep. Well, maybe it's helping with sleep because it's more calming and decreasing anxiety. And again, your response, you know, when you, let's say 10 people get a similar response and you're the outlier, you say, well, what's wrong with me, right? You just have a different chemistry. We all just have, we, I don't get to get like somebody's underlying chemistry report before I treat them. Right. So it is, but nobody does. When a doctor hands you an antidepressant or an opioid, nobody knows how you're going to respond if you've not taken that before. It's the same thing. There's always a little bit of a risk when you take a new medication that you may be the person who doesn't respond very well. But on the other hand, you might be the person who gets a great result. So um, I do think that um, in that report by uh, Dr. Russo, I think there were some reports of dry mouth or some reports of um, like, you know, feeling high or whatnot. And again, it goes back to what was in the product that they were taking. Um, You know, they did not report on, the exact products that patients were using. So it's always a matter of, well, what else is in there? And also dosing, dosing is very, very important. You can't just take some and think it's going to work. You should know what you're doing when you're dosing it out in terms of milligrams.
0: Yeah, no, and that's a good point about the different products too. And I was gonna ask you, so, you know, CBG, it's one of the lesser known cannabinoids, but are there a fair amount of products available out there for folks to, uh, to get?
1: That's right. In the video that I uh, put up on YouTube, I do have a slide that shows some of the products. Um, you can get it as flour. If you wanted to vaporize it, you can get it as a topical, as I've mentioned. Mostly I've seen it in tincture form, which means you know an extract in a bottle where you have a little eyedropper or a syringe and you measure out your dose and squirt it under your tongue. Um, you know, I don't endorse any company, so I can't point anybody in any direction, but certainly a quick google search i'm sure you can find it and of course always 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 you would before purchasing anything you want to make sure that you get what's called the certificate of analysis and you see that what is truly in that bottle uh, before you make a purchase and if the certificate of analysis isn't available or not readily transparent it is you know move on to the next product
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, we actually did a, a podcast with a, a laboratory professional who was talking about um, how some manufacturers will even falsify their um, COAs, and um, there was she had some good tips in there for you know being able to spot the real ones and maybe the the less uh, scrupulous ones. So I'll put a link to that one in the show description too, because I think that's a it's a good thing for people to know. All right so bonnie before i let you go first thank you so much for talking about cbg with us and um look forward to hearing about the other cannabinoids in your talk at canmed but i also wanted to bring up that you're also going to be leading our medical practicum at canmed 23 along with dustin sulak kevin spillman and eloise Thiessen. so i was wondering if you could give us a, a kind of a quick preview of that of like what people can expect at the practicum and why do you believe it's so important to have events like this to educate clinicians and laypersons about cannabis medicine?
1: Well, I'll answer the last question first. So the sure. importance is that there, for healthcare professionals, there is no like uh, full bore training program. There is no residency or internship. Uh, We now do have some schools are offering master's degrees and so on, but I think hearing from clinicians who are actually practicing this medicine, uh, this type of specialty, and working with these medicines and really learning the nuances of them is very helpful, and that's the feedback we've gotten in the past, is having a kind of mentor clinician educate is um, uh, really helpful to build on the foundation of what you might be reading in the literature or, or in in a book, so to speak. Um, and for the practicum, you know, it's a full day of education. So we start off with, you know, um, endocannabinoid system physiology, the physiology of the cannabinoids and the other phytoconstituents of the plant. And um, I just want to note uh, Dr. Spellman, Kevin Spellman, who's a um, brilliant like. Botanist, herbalist, years and years and years of experience, and his lectures amazing. On uh, opens your eyes, especially coming from you know my background, which is as, as an MD in the allopathic world. You know, it was a big change for me to um, understand botanical medicine, and so having him on board really helps bridge that gap for those of us who are coming from the allopathic uh, field, um, and so. We also go through, um, you know, special consideration, well, clinical applications of cannabis and special considerations for geriatric patients. We talk about, we have a talk on chronic pain treatment. I'm talking about pediatrics. And then we have practical panels where we're going to be giving case reports and, you know, how to help your patients pick medicine. And I mean, it's just a a day chock full of information for really anybody who wants to advance their knowledge.
0: Yeah, no, it's a... Fantastic event, usually the highlight of the event. And no, I think you're right. I think it's it's the collaboration that I, I think is really great, too, because you guys get a lot of great questions from the clinicians who are in the audience who are, again, sharing some of their experiences. And to see you guys sort of go back and forth and, and share that knowledge, it's, it's really fascinating.
1: Yeah, I really enjoy it. It's great to be around like-minded people, and it's great to hear about other people's experiences. I always learn something uh, from my colleagues, from people in the audience, from the other speakers. It's just, for me, it's, um, you know, I walk away from CanMed every year saying, wow, that was great. So I I hope other people find it to be great as well.
0: Absolutely. All right. All right. Bonnie, again, before I let you go, I know I just already said that, but one more thing. Um, If you would like to plug websites, social media, anything, so folks can learn more about you or get in touch with you, uh, please share away.
1: Okay. So I have my YouTube channel, which you mentioned. It's Bonnie Goldstein MD. Remember, there's no E at the end of Bonnie. And then um, I do have an Instagram, Bonnie Goldstein MD as well where I do try to remember to post, uh, I don't (laughs) post very often, but I try. Um, and, um, other than that, I really not, uh, don't have like, you know, Twitter and all that kind of stuff. I am on LinkedIn in case anybody wants to connect with me through there.
0: That's all right. Don't worry about your social media. You're, you're plenty busy as is Bonnie, (laughs) but thank you again for, for taking the time to talk with me today. And, uh, can't wait to see you down in Florida.
1: I know, it'll be really fun. Look forward to seeing you.
0: All right. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Bonnie Goldstein. Check out the links in the show description to learn more about the topics we discussed. And thanks again to this episode's sponsor, the Dent Institute. Our next episode drops April 26th, that's two weeks from today. In the meantime, don't forget to check out the CanMed 23 schedule at CanMedEvents.com. I think you will find that not only does our lineup include some of the biggest names in the industry, but they are also addressing some of the most important topics, such as hop latent viroid and other plant pathogens, the efficacy of minor cannabinoids and compounds, delta 8 thc lab shopping and more you don't want to miss out on this opportunity to learn from and network with the leading minds in the industry at a world-class resort it's going to be an amazing event and i hope to see you there but of course if you can't join us we hope that you'll continue to listen to the podcast follow us on social media and check out our canmed archive at canmedevents.com all right that's it from us Stay safe, stay healthy, and please do come back for the next can Coffee Talk.